Grammar Girl here. Today's topic is active voice versus passive voice. Here's a question from Brian in Iowa. He writes, It drives me crazy when people write in passive voice. How can I teach people to tell the difference between passive and active voice and to stay away from passive voice? End quote. Well, Brian's right. The first step is to help people understand the difference between active and passive voice. Because although many people believe they should avoid the passive voice, fewer people can define it or recognize it. I'll start with active voice because it's simpler. In an active sentence, the subject is doing the action. A very straightforward example is the sentence, Steve loves Amy. Steve is the subject, and he's doing the action. He loves Amy, the object of the sentence. Another example is the title of the Marvin Gaye song, I heard it through the grapevine. I is the subject, the one who's doing the action, hearing. I is hearing it, the object of the sentence. I heard it through the grapevine. In passive voice, the target of the action gets promoted to the subject position. Instead of saying, Steve loves Amy, I'd say, Amy is loved by Steve. The subject of the sentence becomes Amy, but she isn't doing anything. Rather, she's just the recipient of Steve's love. The focus of the sentence has changed from Steve to Amy because you've made Amy the subject. If you wanted to make the title of the Marvin Gaye song passive, you'd say, It was heard by me through the grapevine. Not so catchy anymore, right? A lot of people think that all sentences that contain a form of the verb to be are in passive voice, but that isn't true. For example, The sentence, I am holding a pen, is in active voice, but it uses the verb am, I am holding a pen, and am is a form of to be. The passive form of that sentence is, the pen is being held by me. Notice that the subject, the pen, isn't doing anything in that sentence. It's not taking an action. It's passive. One clue that your sentence is passive is that the subject isn't taking a direct action. Another important point is that passive sentences aren't incorrect. It's just that they often aren't the best way to phrase your thoughts. Sometimes passive voice is awkward, and other times it's vague. Also, passive voice is usually wordy, so you can tighten your writing if you replace passive sentences with active sentences. When you put sentences in passive voice, it's easy to leave out the person or thing doing the action. For example, in our passive sentence from before, Amy is loved. The problem with that sentence is that you don't know who loves Amy. In fact, politicians often use passive voice to intentionally obscure the idea of who's taking the action. Ronald Reagan famously said mistakes were made when referring to the Iran-Contra scandal. Other examples of passive voice for political reasons could include bombs were dropped and shots were fired. Pay attention to the news and listen for examples of passive voice. Also, a reader named Matthew commented that businesses sometimes use passive voice. He notes that it sounds better to write, your electricity will be shut off, than we, the electric company, will be shutting off your power. Finally, a recent study suggests that less educated people, those who dropped out of school when they were 16, have a harder time understanding sentences written in passive voice than those written in active voice. I only had access to the press release, not the original study, but the results made it seem as if you should stick with active voice if you're writing for the general population. 
On the other hand, passive voice does have some advantages. For example, if you truly don't know who is taking the action, then you can't name the person. This is especially common with crime reports. For example, a security guard might write, the store was robbed because nobody knows who the robber was. Passive voice is also sometimes useful in fiction writing. For example, if you were writing a mystery novel and you wanted to highlight missing cookies because they're central to the story, passive voice is the best option. It would make more sense to write, the cookies were stolen, instead of somebody stole the cookies. The difference is subtle, but in the passive sentence, the cookies were stolen, the focus is on the cookies because they're the subject. In the sentence, somebody stole the cookies, the focus is on the unknown somebody. So passive voice can be helpful if you want to create a sense of mystery in your sentence, which is also the reason why it's not usually a good choice when you're writing nonfiction and you want your writing to be clear. An exception to that, though, is in scientific writing. Scientists are often encouraged to write in passive voice to lend their writing a sense of objectivity to take themselves and their actions and opinions out of the experimental results. I used to be a scientist, and I always found passive voice odd. It felt as if we were trying to hide that real people did experiments. And some scientific style guides do allow for a limited use of active voice. For example, it may be okay to write, we sequenced the DNA, instead of the DNA was sequenced but it's still considered bad for scientists to insert themselves into conclusions. For example, it would be bad scientific form to write, we believe the mutation causes cancer. But you still don't need passive voice to achieve your goals. For example, the active sentence, we believe the mutation causes cancer, could be changed to, the data suggests that the mutation causes cancer. That's still active, but it eliminates the sense of subjectivity. I remember that Watson and Crick's famous paper on the discovery of the structure of DNA was sometimes mentioned in school as an example of a scientific article that uses an unusually large number of active voice sentences, and I've included a few examples and a link to the whole paper as a web bonus for this podcast, which you can find in the Grammar Girl section at quickanddirtytips.com. Finally, I have to include a note about Strunk and White's treatment of passive voice. In their classic book, The Elements of Style, three of their four examples of passive voice aren't actually passive voice sentences. I'll put a link in the transcript to a couple of pages that explain the problems. But if you rely on the elements of style, as so many people do, be aware that this is a problem with that book. And a quick congratulations to two Quick and Dirty Tips podcasters who are reaching a milestone. The nutrition diva and the public speaker are each releasing their 100th podcast episode this week. If you aren't already subscribed to their shows, check them out. You can learn 100 ways to eat healthier and 100 ways to communicate more persuasively. Finally, I've started producing another podcast you might enjoy called Behind the Grammar. It's much more informal than this show, and I generally alternate between interview shows and news shows about language publishing and social media. Like I said, it's quite different, but if it sounds like something you might enjoy, just search iTunes for Behind the Grammar. And you can always find more great Grammar Girl episodes in the archives at quickanddirtytips.com. That's all. Thanks for listening. When you 
need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Mignon. If you want to do more to hone your communication skills, then check out Think Fast, Talk Smart, produced by the Stanford Graduate School of Business and hosted by my friend and Stanford lecturer, Matt Abrahams. You may remember Matt from his interview on the show back in September when he shared his top tips for becoming a better writer and speaker. Think Fast, Talk Smart is his Webby award-winning podcast, which has been downloaded 41 million times and has been the number one career podcast in more than 95 countries. So you know it's worth your time. Whether you're making a wedding toast or presenting at work, strong speaking skills are critical to success in business and in life, which is why Matt sits down with experts every week to talk about the best tips to unlock your communication potential. Hear from pros like neuroscientist Andrew Huberman on how to manage speaking anxiety, speechwriter and best-selling author Dan Pink on how to take risks in your communication, and psychologist Kelly McGonigal on how to harness nervous energy to fuel powerful presentations. So what are you waiting for? Listen to Think Fast, Talk Smart every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. And tell Matt I said hi.